The following sermon is by Manny Alaniz, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel in Northwest San Antonio, Texas. For more information, for prayer, or to support us financially, please visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Maranatha, Maranatha, the Lord has come, the Lord will come. Let us prepare our hearts to hear God's truth through the preaching of his word, which begins with prayer. Let us pray together. Oh, gracious, glorious one, by the power of your Holy Spirit, pour out upon us wisdom and understanding that being taught by you in Holy Scripture, our hearts and minds may be open to receive all that leads us to life eternal and holiness through Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Last, just last Friday, in a ruling that the Wall Street Journal calls one of the most consequential in, in modern memory, the Supreme Court eliminated a constitutional right to abortion, thereby overturning the 1973 Roe v. Wade uh, verdict decision and by doing that, they have now placed the burden, returned the burden of the question of the legality of abortion to the states, to the individual states. Okay, so That's why uh, Jordan was talking about it's not over, but it's over. We certainly have a, a, a tremendous victory by that, by the nationwide ban on abortion. By the way, although it may have been legal, so to speak, in, in, in this nation to have an abortion, and it may be legal in certain states to have an abortion, it's still illegal. It's still a sin. It's a sin against God. So we so we make sure we understand each other, but we're still dealing in the legalities of where we live in, in, this, in this fallen world. The court decision uh, the recent court decision of, of Dodd versus Jackson Women's Health Organization upheld the law from Mississippi that bans abortion after the 15th week of pregnancy. In this ruling, the court, the court's conservative majority said that the, the Roe decision was uh, agariously uh, wrong in 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 uh, recognizing that that there was a constitutional right to an abortion. So it, certainly, the, the Supreme Court corrected itself. States now have uh, this broad latitude this, to regulate. Each state now has this latitude to regulate. 
to allow or prohibit abortions in each individual state. So as we look across the nation, we we take we take a look at what where is it legal and where is it illegal to have abortions. Well, there are, there are 26 states that currently have laws or will have laws in what they call trigger uh, they, they call them trigger laws. And basically, the reason they called them trigger laws was if the abortion the the Supreme Court shot down the abortion rule, the Roe versus Wade. If that was shot down, that that would trigger a law in their state to make abortions illegal. And currently, there are going to be 26 states that uh, indicate that they will ban abortions in their state. Uh, again, this is a tremendous victory, and we celebrate this, and we give thanks to the Lord for uh, allowing his grace upon a sinful nation to, to stop something as, as abortion, the, the murder, basically the murder of life. But there's still a battle to be fought. The battles now go on to the, to the locals, to the locals, to the, to the individual states. Those states which are pro-abortions, pro-abortions, and it's interesting. One of the disturbing things that 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 we can see because of this ruling, and, and I, I wonder if it disturbs you as much as it disturbs me, is that it's seen on the opposition against this ruling. All the opposition against uh, the, uh, what they would say the woman's right to choose. The pro-abortion opposition, people are coming out of the woodwork saying they were against this ruling. They, they are for abortion, or what they would say, for the woman's right to choose. That's what's, that's, what, that's what's coming out now. That's what you're seeing now. You're seeing people, you're seeing organizations that are coming out and saying that the Supreme Court was wrong in what they did. And just to give you an idea of what we're talking about and how many states we're talking about, basically we're looking at about, about currently about 16 states and the District of Columbia that protect, that will protect what they say is the woman's right to choose, that are pro-abortion and will remain pro-abortion. That's 16 plus the District of Columbia. There are states which are going to welcome people from other states to come to their states and protect them under their laws to have abortions. And there are companies, major companies, that are saying, we will pay for a, a, a woman's trip to this state that, that will offer them an abortion. That They'll pay for that trip. And it's companies that we know. There's companies that we, that we do business with, companies such as Starbucks, Microsoft, Amazon, Apple, Tesla, uh, City, Citigroup, uh, Levi Strauss, Lyft, uh, MasterCard, and, and others that are for abortion and will and, and have come out and said we will pay for a woman's we'll pay for the cost of a woman going to a a, a, a state that will offer them an abortion. And that's what's coming out now. That's what we're seeing, the reality of the viciousness of evil. See, 
what we're looking at is we're looking at human wisdom, not God wisdom. Human wisdom trying to take over and saying it's okay for you to do something illegal against God, so to speak. Counter God's wishes. As as and and that that is all coming up now. We're seeing all this going on. I've, I've not seen or heard about any protesters, but they were some initially when it was all leaked out initially. Holy Scripture makes it clear that the sacredness of God and the demonstration of His love for us is found in his in, in in his giving us life in life he his love for us is found can be seen in us in him giving us life and for christians that's life eternal that is a demonstration of love at, at the ultimate sense the, the divine love and that's god's demonstration of his love for each one of us, like because he has given us life. You're able to hear this message. You're able to, even if you're pro-abortion, you have life in you that God gave you. Simply put, as we know, abortion is the murder of the killing of a human being. Uh, and and, and uh, of, of, the, of a human being, the uh, creation, in the image of God himself, and we've talked about abortion before, even if that human is still in the mother's womb, it is still a sin. It is still the killing of a human being. This is truth, no matter what anyone says, no matter what any human says. Let, let's say that every human being on this planet at this particular time, at this particular moment, every human being at this planet, let's say, they would say, uh, all, we all agree that we would say that abortion is okay. And, and it was unanimous. How many billions of people are in the planet? Seven billion plus. And we all agreed. We all said, yeah, yeah, abortion's okay. Would it make it right? No. Scripture tells us that God, let God be true, and everyone, every man, everyone a liar. God is truth, and everyone a liar. And no matter what human wisdom says, it is still, and no matter what human wisdom thinks, the only one that matters is the Lord Almighty himself. God reveals to us his love even if it sounds offensive to us, he's going to reveal to us his truth in love, even if it sounds offensive, offensive, offensive to us. Why? Well, because it is, it is about saving us, saving someone who is in a fallen state of being. We are in a fallen state of being. We may hear or think something that we think is right, and it is counter to what God says. And if it is counter to what God says for a Christian, it is a sin. We cannot go against God. In other words, God is truth. And let everyone, let everyone be a liar. Today, this morning, we're closing out our journey through the through 1 Corinthians. Today, we're closing it out. And we're what we're doing is we're looking 
at the Apostle Paul's final warning. This is the Apostle Paul's final warning against those in, in, in the church at Corinth who are opposed to him and persistent in deviating against the gospel message. Basically, here what we're looking at in our passage, in our text, is, is Paul is giving uh, the Corinthians who are opposed to him and opposed to the gospel message that he's bringing to them. He's giving them this final warning, this final warning. And that's what he, that's the critical issue that he's addressing. He is, he is faced by the Corinthian church and he's faced, and, and today, even today, our, the church today and people today who reject and distort Christ, Jesus Christ. The Corinthian church at that time, and it goes on today, distorted who Jesus was, thereby distorting the gospel message. And that's what that's the issue that Paul is addressing in our passage. The focus of our passage today states that everyone, now hear, hear this. This is if you this could sound very intimidating until you start thinking it through. Paul says that everyone who does not love the Lord, Karyos, the Lord Jesus, is cursed by God. That's what he's saying. Everyone who does not love Jesus, who does not love the Lord, Karyos, the Lord Jesus, God, is cursed by God. And that, that's not just for the Corinthians back then. That's today, too. And that's not us saying it. That's not my opinion. It is God's word. It is God telling humanity that if you don't love my son, the son of God, I'm going to pronounce it, you're cursed. You're a curse. You're anathema. You are cursed by him. That's pretty, I mean, how does that hit you? Just for me, you read that, you go, wow. Wow. That's incredible because I know a lot of people that don't believe in Jesus and don't believe in the gospel message. In fact, they've come out and just rejected it. Or they're playing games with it. They are what? They're, and you know this. You know these people. They're distorting the message to fit their life to fit who they are. They distort the gospel message. They distort who Jesus is. They create a Jesus of their own being. So what does that make them worship? That makes them worshiping an idol. They're basically worshiping an idol. And so what Paul is telling us is that that means you don't love Jesus. That means you don't love the Lord. And if you don't love Jesus, you are cursed by God. That's a pretty powerful statement. That's a powerful warning that Paul is giving the Corinthians. That's a powerful warning that God is giving to us today and throughout the ages. It is, it is the ultimate. And so what is the ultimate issue? Well, the ultimate issue for salvation's sake is not the obedience of God's word for some Christians who live just to be obedient. They think that that's what's going to get them to heaven. It's not that. That's not going to make it. That's not going to work. 
It is the love of Christ. You have to love him. That changes everything. And some of you have experienced this. You may have called yourself a Christian prior to. And nothing and, and thinking that you did all the holy days of obligation, you did all the you did everything, you crossed the X's, you checked every mark, and nothing mattered. You were still condemned to hell until it changed one day. And you realized that it was all about him. It was all about Christ. It was all about him. It is him. It is you wanting him. More than what he can give you. In fact, that's all secondary. Your pursuit is him. Your pursuit is loving Christ. And, and that's what it's all about for us here at St. Stephen's Chapel. That's what it's about. Love for the Lord then results in what? Then it results in obedience. Then you're, you're obedient to what he's commanding you to do. And how do you know what he's commanding you to do? You got to get into his word. You got to read his divine word. You got to get into it. You got to come worship on Sundays. You got to go to Bible studies. You got to do all. You got to do it all. You're obedient to him, but that's because you love him, and by that you're obedient to him. Because obedience is not going to save you, it is, but it, but it certainly is a reflection of your what love for him. And so, what if if obedience is a reflection of of your love for Jesus? What is the lack of obedience? What does that reflect? It reflects that you don't love him. Yeah, because we, there's a lot of people that are going to love Jesus, are going to be obedient to him to a certain point, and then they're going to stop. They're not going to go beyond this point because they don't want to cross it because this is where they're living their life, in a gray area. And, and if they're living in that gray area and not being totally obedient to God as best we can, because sometimes we, we disobey him and we're convicted and we what? We repent and we keep believing. But there are people that reject. They're obedient to, to Christ, obedient to God up to a certain point, and then they have this pet sin that they're living. I say pet because they treat it like a pet. They, they continue to live it. And what does that show according to what Paul's telling us? It shows us that they don't believe, they don't love, they don't love Christ because of their lack of obedience. And if they don't love Jesus, this is certainly something to remember. If you don't love Jesus, what does that mean? You are anathema. You are cursed, cursed by God himself. That is, that's, that, I mean, that, that changes perspective. It changes, that, that, that hits any other religion in the world that is not Christian, true Christianity. It impacts every person on this planet. It touches the heart of every single person. And to insist on human wisdom over what God has stated shows a lack of love for Christ, which is anathema. True love for Jesus Christ creates obedience, which in turn brings what? Blessings. And sometimes we don't think about that. And, and I think the reason we don't think about that is because sometimes we overlook the blessings. 
that, that God gives us. He just lays them out there for us. But we overlook them. We, we take them for granted. There are a lot of his blessings he gives us constantly, showing us his love. Now, if you only took a moment to thank him, if you only took a moment to think about him, you would just, chills would run up your spine because you would think, you would go, and he loved me. And I'm not, and I'm like a cactus. I, you know, I'll, you hug me and I'll prick you, man. I, I don't deserve to be loved by you. And that sends chills up your spine because he does love you. And he lays these, these blessings on top of blessings on top of blessings for you and me, for us. A glorious thing. So true love for Jesus Christ creates obedience, which in turn brings blessings. Anything else is anathema, is accursed. Now, as we look at our text, uh, we see that, that Paul bring, uh, begins by talking about civility. He begins by talking about civility to the Corinthians and to us. Civility is uh, upon Christianity and Christians. That is a demonstration of politeness and courtesy, so to speak. But Paul is talking about love, love. What does Jesus say? Two most important commandments, love God, love God, love God. And the second one's like it. It's what? Love thy neighbor. And does that say love your Christian neighbor? No, it doesn't say Christian neighbor. It just says love your neighbor. So the, everybody wants to ask, well, who's your neighbor? Well, everybody's your neighbor. Love the, the world, the people, not the sin. But anyway, so so now that's what Paul begins with. He talks. He's talking about love. He's talking about behavior. He's talking about, and, and that's what love is. Uh, that's what love is about. Your behavior. It's it's it, it's uh, it's kind of arrogant to say, "Hey, I love that person. I love you know my neighbors, even though they're sinners. And I love." But I never do anything to go beyond that to demonstrate that love. To demonstrate you care about someone. Uh, we have a neighbor. She she lost her dog the other day. Uh, uh, her, she has two, and we call them gang dogs because they look like, they look like they're gang dogs. They're pretty rough. They sound rough when they bark. Oh! So we just jokingly call them gang dogs. They love those dogs, and they're good dogs. Was one of them got out, and 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 and, and she was she can't find them. And I saw her out there with, with a flyer. I go, hey, how's it going? And she's crying. I go, what's wrong? What's wrong? She has this picture of her with her dog. And she goes, I lost. She told me her the dog's name. I go, oh. I mean, those are real tears. They're not made up. So what what do we do when we run that? I mean, that's love. how do you love her or something like that? How do you do that? How do you love someone like that? Well, first of all, you show that you care about them. And show that, you know, even though you might not be a dog lover, I hope you are, but you, let's say you're not. I mean, but you really care about them. You're sincere about your, that they're grieving over their lost dog, that they don't think they're going to get back. So I care about them. And for me, it was me to pray for them. And tell them what we're looking for. And if I see them, I'll take them back to your yard. I'll open the gate and put them back in there. If I see them walking around trying to look for their house. But that's what it's talking about here. It's just talking about, Paul is talking about civility and how a Christian should, should, should behave. 
and that's in love. And love is action. Love is action. Cannot be fabricated. It has to be authentic. It reveals your our Christ-like living. And he talks about a couple of people in our passage, uh, Aquila and Presca, who are a couple that the Corinthians were familiar with. And he uses them as an example of, of, of how to demonstrate Christ-like living. Like, here they are. This is not, I'm not making this up. You can really live like this. So that's what Paul starts talking about. He starts talking about how we should live our lives. And then he adds that we should, in our greeting to one another, we should add a what? A holy kiss. A holy kiss. Huh. And what he means by that, well, he, he not only, uh, back in, in, in well, the, with the Corinthians and that, in their customs, in the custom of Christ and the disciples, they would greet each other with a kiss on the cheeks. Holy kiss, with a kiss. Well, Paul calls it with a holy kiss that changes the dynamics of their usual greeting. It changes it. It adds to it. It has to be rooted. That kiss has to be rooted in your relationship with God. And if it's another Christian, it is rooted. When you greet one another, you're rooting your holy kiss in your relationship with God himself. Have you ever tried... First of all, have you ever thought about doing something like that? And have you ever tried to greet somebody, even an adversary? Let, let's say you you have an adversarial situation. And let's say that they're Christian. Or they, they don't have to be, okay? Well, to greet that person and say hi, even shake their hand, we can do that like, Reaction that doesn't mean it's meaningless to us. Well, Paul say no. You you do it with a holy kiss. That means you really you care about them, you love them. What does that do for you? It disarms you. And what does that do to the if it's a Christian, that other person is Christian, and you greet them with a holy kiss, it disarms them. And now you can talk or you know, be cordial or whatever, but it's not its not fabricated. It's really caring about somebody. It's really caring about each other. And Paul's making that point for the Corinthians and the entire church as a whole in other places. That when we see each other, when we meet each other, we're going to greet each other with a holy kiss. We all are, are dominated. We all belong to the same Lord. That's his point. That's what he's talking about. Then he gets into something that was, that was the focus of, of our, our passage today, or we're, that we're, we talked about, of our passage. And then he gets into anathema and mar, uh, mar, maranatha. Anathema and maranatha. And some of you may have heard those, those, those two words being used before together. The, he starts off with, uh, with the anathema. And, but but here's how he starts off when he, he talks about this, because he's getting serious here. I mean, more serious than he's been throughout the whole book. I mean, he's really been hitting them throughout the whole book, and he's getting, like, the last warning. He is so serious about what he's about to say, what he's been saying is he says, I, Paul, write this in my own writing. He says, I, and he makes the initial on the, on, on the scroll. 
he that he backs in there show of his signature basically i'm writing this i have written this and i am writing what you're about to hear that's why that's in there okay because it is written by a scribe a scribe is helping him write out paul's dictating to the scribe to write this out and now he gets important i want you to hear that this is like this is important stuff i want you to know that it's not the scribe writing this I'm telling you this. Not, not only have I been telling you what I've said, but I'm telling you what I'm about to say. And then he gets into Mar, uh, Maranatha. Well, and, and anathema. So, so, so he begins with telling that, that he's doing, it's him that does this. Then in verse 22, Paul says, if anyone has no love for the Lord, that's the Lord Jesus, let him or her be anathema, be accursed, be accursed by God. Listen, we're being told by Holy Scripture that if we do not love Jesus, and we've and we just talked about this, but this is this is drilling, this is drilling down to, to the very point of what Paul is telling us. If we do not love, love Jesus, then we're cursed. Now, remember, and I just said, we just talked about this. We just said that, that love is what? An action. So it's easy to say, I love Jesus. Hey, I love Jesus. Yes, I love Jesus. There's no obedience. There's no love for your neighbor. There's nothing with that. Well, I mean, we can do the same thing we want. It does, it's, it's meaningless. This requires action on our parts, on, on every Christian's part to love him. We know a lot of people that know something about Jesus or have heard something about Jesus. And we know a lot of people that want what Jesus can give them. They just don't want Jesus. Why would they want Jesus? Well, because he's Lord. That means he lords over your life, our life. And they don't want that because they want to be the captain, the captain, uh, the captain of their own soul, the captain of their own ship. They want to rule. They want to be the, in control. Yeah, I'll take some guidance from from Jesus. Yeah, I'll take some guidance from from the Word. But basically, when when push comes to shove, I'm going to be the one who makes the final decision, as opposed to submitting, submitting to the Lord, submitting to the Lordship of Christ, being. That's love. Action. Submit. 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 Guys, it's not easy to do. And so many people find it so hard to do that they don't do it. They'd rather keep what they got. Hold on to what they got. And living their life in sin. Rather than submit. Love. Christ. And I mean, we, I'm talking about we know people like that. We know people like that. That's us too. Uh, in, in every aspect of our life, we have to review. We have to look at our lives and we have to say, am I submitting to the Lordship of Christ? Am I being submi submitting to it? Am I being obedient to it? If not, that could show that I lack. It could show a lack of love, a lack of love for Jesus. That's powerful. And sometimes we need sometimes we need him to help us. We need his grace. 
to help us do what he's calling us to do. That happens a lot. It happens to all of us. We all need it. We all, we all struggle with certain sins, and we need his grace to get through it. So we call out for his grace, and he gives it to us. He helps us. But we have to be willing to submit. And is it easy? No, it's not easy. It is difficult. You're, you may even, you're going to struggle through it. There, there may be pain involved. A lot of people may be crying. There may be hurt feelings. But that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to submit in love to Christ. And what? The blessings come. The blessings come. You just can't see them yet. In fact, you can't even imagine the blessings that come with that. This is what Paul is telling them is, is a message of love. 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 God loves us. He cares about us. He loves us. And, and so Paul is talking about, again, it, 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 he, he wants to make sure, because during that time that he's living, there Basically, he's in, in, in this letter, see, Paul wrote some of the first letters in the New Testament. Everything else was oral tradition. And, and then later on, it was the, the, New Testament, the Gospels were written. And so Paul's having to go through the fog of, the, of oral tradition to tell them the truth of the Gospel. And, and what is he fighting? What is he up against? Well, is he, he's up against pagans. He's up against Gnostics and Gnosticism. And what are they? Well, the Gnostics and Gnosticism did not like did not like the Christ, the Jesus that Paul was presenting to them. They didn't like it. So what did they do? They distorted Jesus. They changed the God, which changes the gospel message. That's what they did. And he's warning them: if you do that, you're cursed. That's why he can say, well, we're, you remember what he says in uh, Galatians chapter 1? He says this, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him or her be anathema, be accursed. So it's inconsistent. I mean, he's consistent with what he's telling us. He's consistent with what he's telling the Corinthians and what he's told the Galatians. That any distortion, now, now, how does it impact us today? Be, today, especially today, pastors, TV evangelists are distorting Jesus. They're distorting the gospel message. And because of that, it shows their lack of love for Christ. And because of that, they are cursed. They're cursed. Now, how would you know if they're distorting Jesus? And how would you know if they're distorting the gospel? You have to know his word. You have to get into his word. You have to be a part of a, a church that presents the gospel. A, a, a God-driven, a God-centered, God-driven church. And be a part of something that, that has Bible studies and CE and everything else so you can get into his word. And when you have questions about certain things, you go to his word. And pray to God for guidance. And ask your pastors and test them and, and everything else that comes with it because you want to know. And God will reveal himself to you. As we 
so though Paul has talked about this, not just here, but he talks about it in Galatians, as we said, as we just said. And, and why? So being a true Christian is about trusting God and knowing the gospel, knowing who Jesus is and not distorting, not distorting the Jesus of the, of the gospels. Here's a, um, um, an author and, and a scholar by the name of Richard Hayes. He's very, he wrote something very astute about the, the distortions that come with people who hate, who do not love Jesus. He wrote this, uh, which I thought was pretty neat. He wrote this. He said, the Christian community as a community of love is not infinitely inclusive. Okay, so what he's saying there is the real, true Christians, the Christian community, the church, is not infinitely inclusive. And then he goes on to say this. Those who reject Jesus are not and cannot be a part of the church, cannot be a part of it. See, how can someone be a part of the church, the true church, if they reject Jesus? That's why he's saying it's not infinite, uh, infinitely uh, inclusive. Those who reject Jesus are not and cannot be a part of it. There is great danger to the church, in Paul's view, when some people represent themselves as Christian while rejecting the apostolically proclaimed gospel. You cannot be a Christian and reject the gospel. If you do, if you know someone that does, they're not a Christian. They're rejecting the gospel. They're rejecting God. They're distorting the gospel message. They're distorting Jesus. They're distorting everything. And they that shows their lack of love for Christ. And by that, they're cursed by God. And, and uh, so Paul goes on and he talks about, uh, uh, he talks about, uh, Maranatha, Maranatha. Maranatha is, it's interesting because he's writing in Greek and now he uses the word Maranatha, which is Arabic. Hebrew, it's a Hebrew word. But he uses it to, 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 to make a point. I mean, there are other Hebrew words that we use in English too, amen, a hallelujah. You know, there's, there's Hebrew words that just cross the lines, Greek, English, it doesn't matter. Maranatha is another one. And, and for a while, there was debated on what it meant because it was hard to translate. But the proper translation in Arabic is God has come. The Lord has come. The Lord has come. And basically what Paul is saying there is that the proof of what I'm telling you, the proof of the gospel, the proof of who Jesus is, is in his resurrection. He has come. First, he came as a human. And then he was resurrected. And we saw him resurrected. That's not just a proof. That's a guarantee that it's the word of God. That's a guarantee from God that this is true, that he is who he claims to be. This is good news. But Maranatha also means the Lord will come. The Lord cometh. The Lord will come again. And it's basically saying where Revelation chapter 22 verse 20 says, come Jesus, come. The very end of the Bible, come Jesus, come. Talks about that. We go through the whole Bible at the very end. It says, come Jesus, come. Maranatha. Come Jesus, come. 
So it's a, it, it certainly is a play on both of those. And he uses this. So let's let's in let's wrap this up. What, what what is the big question that this is asking us today? What's the question? Well, the question is, do you love Jesus? That's the question. Simple enough. Seems like an easy question. So that, now, since it's, since it's so easy, let's take an evaluation of how we're living our lives. Because remember, love is action. And that will result in, in what you do and what you're saying. Now, you, I know you, especially all of you that are here, I know you love Jesus. I do. I mean, it's obvious. It shows. It's not just, I'm just guessing. I think you do. No, no, no. It, it's, it's more than obvious. But that's the question. That's what Paul's putting here. That if you don't love Jesus, you're accursed. And so how can that be? Well, because everyone that doesn't love Jesus is going to be judged. See, Jesus is our salvation. Everyone that does not love Jesus is going to be judged on their own merits. And guess what happens if you're judged on your own merits? You're condemned by a perfect judge to eternal death. So, of course, you're accursed. Of course. It, it just comes back to what we, are, what we already know. As we look back at the Supreme Court ruling, we think about the many stories of abortion. There are many stories out there that you know, that you've heard about. I know a dear, a dear sister, uh, a dear friend of mine who told me a story about abortion. And she told me that she went to go get an abortion. She was pregnant. She went to go get an abortion. Her boyfriend gave her money, so she had the money to get it. She was there. And, didn't, and, and as she was getting there, she didn't want to be there. She realized that like, there's something wrong here. It's just... And so as she's sitting, she goes up to the receptionist and says, I need to talk to somebody. I mean, she just wants to make sense of this. I mean, maybe no access to a Christian or whatever, whatever it may be. Well, the lady says, have a seat. We'll get to you in just a second. Well, as she's waiting... It's obvious that she's struggling here, and, and a woman, an angel, a woman comes to her and, and, and says, honey, are you okay? And she says, no, I don't know how I want to be here. She takes her to another room, and, she, and, and my dear friend breaks down, breaks down. And uh, this lady says, you don't need to be here. You don't need to be here. You need God. Kind of, kind of. Lead you out of there. That's what we think. Talk about an angel. Lead you out. Well, that sister gave birth to a, to a godly man. A man that preaches the gospel. She has become a warrior for Christ. I mean, a warrior who's fearless for Jesus. All because of so here's what we need to know, is that, and, and we never need to forget, that our God is a loving God who forgives sin, all sin, except, re, except, reje, except rejecting the Holy Spirit. But he can forgive all sin. Think about every sin you want to think about, any sin. It doesn't matter. Even the sin of those who have got an abortion or those who were a part of the woman getting an abortion, 
or those who assisted in, in getting an abortion, or the doctors who committed the abortion. Jesus Christ can forgive every sin, all sin. That's why he came. That's how he saves us. That's who he is. That's why we love him. And when we think about abortion, please never forget to pray for the ladies and the, the men who sent them and, and the doctors who committed this horrible act. Pray for them and share the gospel with them because they too can be forgiven. They too can be forgiven. And to use this as a reminder that God's love is an invitation for everyone to come. Even if you've had an abortion, come, come. His burden is life. You, your care, can you imagine the burden of, care, of, of having an abortion and carrying that sorrow and the grief and the guilt on your back until the king arrives and calls to you and says, come, come to me. I'll take your burden. I'll give you my burden, which is light. Oh, what a wonderful God. Isn't he wonderful? Gracious Lord, our God, true God, who loves us. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we... You've been listening to Manny Alanese, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel. For more information about our church, visit our website at stephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Please join us prayerfully and financially as we seek to glorify God by preaching His Word and spreading the gospel of grace in boldness and selflessness.